Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession, exit planning, legal technology, law practice management, leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Ann Collier. Ann is a lawyer, has her master's in public policy, is a professional certified coach and the CEO of Arudia. Arudia is a firm dedicated to improving culture, collaboration, and communication. She's an expert leadership coach. She is steadfast in her commitment to excellence and her clients' goals. She coaches and delivers programming designed to support individuals, teams, and organizations in amplifying their accomplishments. With confidence, intentionality, and resilience, individuals and organizations alike manifest the extraordinary as they actualize greater financial stability and outcomes. I met Anne many years ago through the American Bar Association Law Practice Division. I think it was in a women rainmakers group, but I'm, as I thought about that, I was like, well, it's been long enough that I actually don't remember. But I just wanted to say that I can vouch for Anne personally. I've worked with her over those many years. We've engaged her to work with my firm in several different capacities several times over. And I'd say that Anne is somebody who's also become a personal friend, and we share a passion about well-being, which is one of the topics on the podcast, 
as we were talking about what we were going to do, we talked about all types of well-being issues, but we landed on talking about leadership and we're going to do three different episodes talking about different concepts related to that. So, um, Anne, thanks so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We've been brainstorming on this for a while and we decided on leadership and we're going to talk about that today more generally we, I was visiting you last year in Maryland, and you were working on a presentation. And you were presenting on a particular leadership tool that's become of real interest to you. And I think at the time, I was actually like, oh, are you kidding? Another leadership tool? I've taken them all and actually became interested in those concepts. But we are going to talk a little bit more generically at first about leadership, because one of the things when we were preparing for this episode that I said Well, leadership is one of those many terms, and I always say like team is another one of those terms, or in my practice area, living trust is one of those terms that just gets thrown around that isn't always tied to, well, what do you mean by that? So that's one of the things I said, you know, that we wanted to talk about. But first, before I ask you that question, I was thinking about the name of your company. Just what does Arudia mean? Um, Well, Arudia is a made-up word, but like all good lawyers. I, I know a little bit of Latin and um, combined words for to teach and to support and then feminized it for obvious reasons. And um, I'm really passionate about the teaching, helping people to understand different frameworks to be more effective. And then of course, coaching is really about supporting and partnering with your clients to help them to do their best thinking. And so then let's go ahead and talk about leadership. Exactly, or at least for purposes of this discussion, how do you define leadership? I define leadership as the capacity to effectuate change. It often involves the willing collaboration of others, but it doesn't have to. So I think about leadership on a big scale. So Aaron Ain, who's the executive uh, chair of UKG, didn't just lead a merger with Kronos and UKG, but created one of the best places to work. And at the beginning of the pandemic, Mr. Ain recorded videos to share with employees, to communicate with them. Employees were so moved, they sent emails to him, which he responded to and felt very supported. So when I think about leadership, I think about someone like that who I can admire, who creates a high-performing culture, but also a culture in which people are valued and where it's really lived. He doesn't burn his people out. And I think that's really important, especially as we're, you know, two and a half years into this pandemic. And so what about leadership on a small scale, Anne? So there's the big picture leadership, somebody who guides a merger, brings a couple companies together and effectuates a cultural change. That's pretty big, right? But on a day-to-day basis, in a small way, can each of us be involved in some type of leadership? Sure. I I think of leadership, again, as effectuating change, which is really about creativity. So when I was preparing for this, I thought about a recent example at a hotel. So we were arriving really early. We figured we'd pay for the night before so we could get into our room at like 10 in the morning. And our reservation had been accidentally canceled by a computer glitch. The receptionist was incredibly effective. She wasn't leading a team as we traditionally think about it. But what she did was she marshaled the resources to solve our problem. So leadership is about solving problems on big scales and on small scales. And so that's one of the reasons I really like the way you define that, because I would say that I, like a lot of people, 
will look at and have trouble sometimes distinguishing leadership and management. And leadership is this concept of I can effectuate change, whether I'm a person working at a front desk, whether I'm, you know, at a gas station, whether I'm filling my own tank or whatever the case might be, as opposed to managing. Can you elaborate just a little further on the distinction between leadership and management so we can take management off the table and focus on the leader concept of leadership? Sure, sure. And I think what I think what people typically think of when they think of leaders, they think about creating vision. Um, it, it's about effectuating change, but it's also about creating that vision for what the change is. And we have our Leadership and Management Academy. And I was really clear in creating the name, which is Arudia Leadership and Management Academy, which doesn't necessarily sound all that creative, but but we're giving people the tools to lead, to create vision, to create an ambitious vision, and then to manage towards that vision. Management is about the, the nuts and bolts, the day-to-day, the um, uh, providing training and support to team members. It's about giving feedback. It's, it's very much operations focused. One of the challenges that some leaders have when it, when they become, when they take that step up is that they get stuck a little bit in doing too much of that day-to-day management and they need to step back. I, th- I think of one of my favorite clients who worked at a big, big, big company uh, and he moved from managing 30 people to 130 people. And he and his wife said, you got to work with him. He is so stressed out. And he said, I'm so stressed out. And it was because he was stuck in doing too much of the day-to-day. So th- that's what I think of when I think of the, the management, the, the managing the deadlines, making sure that we're holding people accountable. And we could do a whole podcast on that because I think about accountability as being a very supportive approach and making sure that people have the tools to do what they need to do. Leadership is about that vision. Bigger, It's not just bigger picture, it's qualitatively different because it's creating change on a much bigger scale. And I would say like it was actually through the American Bar Association and there's a lot of leadership mentoring through that organization because I came through a law firm and a lot of my work is I'm managing projects and I'm managing people who are helping me with the projects. And so the reason I asked you that question is I can tell you that I struggled with that distinction. And I remember that at one point I got asked to lead a particular committee and I dived in doing and getting everybody to do. And one of the leaders pulled me aside as Mary, we named you as the leader because we think you have the ability to create some vision and to get other people to engage in that vision. And so your role is to create that vision and guide people towards that vision, but get them to do. And I was like, what? I'm a doer. And so that's been, you know, a process for me because I'm still a doer and I love doing, but I think it's important when we're talking about leadership and the next topic we're going to move to, to just make that distinction. So thanks for answering that question. And because you can have, it's best if your manager is also a great leader, but it's possible to be a good manager without being a great leader. And you can be a great leader without being a good manager. That's exactly right. Um, and, And here's the thing that I see in working with leaders for the last 20 plus years is that Everybody can can be a leader, can develop those skills, but you've got to take a really good look at yourself and um, 
you know, kind of like looking at yourself in a bathing suit after you've not seen the sun for nine months um, and and really look at um, what your skills are, what your challenges are, be honest with them and build your team around you to help so, so that you've got kind of that full skill set on your leadership team. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors at Foster Group. We know there are more important things than money. There's the joy of providing a lovely home for your family, the excitement of an early retirement, the relief knowing that an unexpected emergency won't ruin your finances. At Foster Group, we're invested in the things that make life, life, and how to get there. Foster Group, your financial life, truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. So let's talk about this next topic that you connect with leadership, which is upgrading your operating system. So when you talk about the operating system that we use for leadership, and I think you started down that path just a little bit in that part of it is we have to look at ourselves and be clear about who we are. Self-awareness is a huge part of that. And that's one of the things I think you help with in the coaching process. But what do you mean by the operating system? Um, so just taking a step back and as, as you know, I design a lot of programs and in, you always have to come up with a catchy title. So, um, but it's also important that that title reflect what you're really doing this, um, when I think about leadership and it's, it's about, and, and becoming more effective, it's not about doing more. So, you know, going back to your example of, you know, your first, uh, you know, experience with the ABA working on that committee and doing, 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 I, I want people to distinguish and get that being a leader is not about doing more, but it is about a change to the way they're, they think about things. Um, you know, it's like hardware on a computer. Um, they need to. They need to take a step back. They need to really be able to trust people. They need to be able to have hard conversations. They need to take care of themselves and sleep well at, at night. The best leaders, um, they're they're authentic, and it's not that they don't admit when they're under stress, but they they're they're always approaching stress, which are, all right, let's figure out what our next step is here, rather than getting stuck in a kind of a, a, a twirl of upset. So so that upgrade to the op- operating system is is short circuiting that sort of fear driven upset, and is just being in a place where you're always objective, problem solving, moving forward, bringing your team along. And being the kind of person that, you know, basically everybody wants to work for. So I'm going to back up to something you said in that, that I think is a really important topic that I'm just going to kind of throw this at you. So use the term, the ability to have a hard conversation. And my question on that is going to be, what does that mean? And I'm asking that for a very specific reason. So there was a time, and, and I think I shared the story with you, that there is this person that I know who thinks that hard conversation means I get to take your inventory and tell you what you should do as opposed to, you know, it's like, oh, hey, let me throw your brother's suicide in your face and, or something like that. Or let me tell you that you have a problem that I think you have, even though I don't have a, so let's talk about, cause I, I think sometimes that term gets used, but let's talk about productively as a good leader. 
what is a hard conversation and what does that look like? Because I assume part of a difficult conversation, and, and I'm just asking you that question because you've had them with me and, and you've left me feeling good about myself. And so I think there's a huge art to having a difficult conversation with somebody in a way that's constructive, that doesn't bring out all their wounds and things like that, that lets them say, oh, yeah, I might look at this now that Anne raised that in a kind way. So can you give me a description? Yeah, so a hard conversation. Um, so so as you know, because you've known me for all these years, I, I relationships are really important to me. and And for most people, they're really important. So the hard conversation is telling someone that you care about or that you work with every day. Hopefully that's that those those circles overlap, but but that um, to give them some hard news about themselves. Um, I think about one of the CEOs that I'm coaching um, who one of the team members was really kind of falling apart. And he didn't want to have the have the conversation with with this this team member about, I'm really worried, you know, about the poor performance. Now, when it's framed in a, I'm really worried about you, I'm really concerned. Let's, let's talk about what's going on here. Um, that opens the door for having that sort of that conversation that, that is, you know, kind, candor is kindness. Um, and, and actually, then you can get to a place where you've got some solutions. So the solution in this case was to shift some responsibilities so that the team member could be um, could manage uh, his work better, but but it's hard criticizing people's you know for for a lot of people it's hard giving feedback the tough feedback that for example your work performance is not, is not going well. Doing it with kindness means fr- framing it, picking your time. Don't do it at a time when you're stressed and you only have five minutes. Um, talk about how much you value the person's work. You notice perhaps that, um, you know, you're wondering if they have anything they need. How did they feel about their work? I think it's important to, in, in having these difficult conversations to engage your colleague. So I might say, say something like, so uh, tell me how, how have things been going for you over the last month? Because if you, if that person can admit it first, it's, it's all the easier. And if they don't, that's fine too. You raise it. You just say something like, well, I've noticed that, uh, that you're really struggling with the X project and notice how I'm using really neutral language, you know, trying to, trying to dial, you, you want your own mood to be kind of dialed back, relaxed, calm, calm, at ease, right? Yeah. You can't be, if you try to have this conversation when you're really upset and triggered about this project not going well, it the conversation will be a hard conversation because it's not going well. Yeah, so a hard conversation in a different way, right? And that totally. was what, so I think there's a big difference between a conversation that says, something is really wrong with you, or one that says, hey, you know what? You might be more effective if, and, and I can tell you that, you know, I've been trying to be very open to coaching and one of the, you know, the, the two, when we, we use the at ease thing, I've actually used that because I had a coach say to me, you know, if you could remain at ease, because the leadership role affects everybody. So you know me well enough to know, I get pretty wound up and I start getting like really sped up. And then that doesn't come off at ease at all when you're in charge of an organization. So that was, and I, I don't remember how that was couched, but there was a recent one where a coach said to me, 
and, and very positively because this could have been, you know, I could have taken this as a criticism, but she said, well, Mary, you're a visionary. So you're always several miles down the road from everybody else in the room. And when you go there and they're trying to, you know, make you happy or satisfy you or live up to you, they're feeling like they should be there with you, but they're not. So it's possible that they feel a sense of failure. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. As opposed to saying, you know, Mary, it's a problem that you always go down the road. This coach was able to say to me, you know, by going down the road, that's a great skill that you have. But the others in the room aren't there with you. So if you could come back in the room, you might be able to help keep them on the path. And that was what I thought was like, you know, that could have gone really well. And instead, it's kind of inspired me on both of those things to try and be more at ease when I'm leading a meeting as opposed to trying to get through the agenda as fast as human. I mean, sometimes you have to. I was running late for a meeting yesterday and we had no choice but to get through it super fast, um, but still effectively. And so then that other thing is just seeing where other people are. And I think that's a hard thing because all of us, even the least self-absorbed person I know, you being one of them, it has some self-absorption, right? And so that comes into play in that importance of seeing ourselves. So anyway, we'll talk about on a given day. And one of the things we were chatting about and preparing for this is that, hey, on day one, when I'm at ease, feeling great, I'm not cutting people off, sending emails that are annoying people. What is the difference between those days and the days that I get you know, where I'm too short, running down the hall, talking super fast. When we talk about the operating system, and that's where I was kind of going back yeah. to that whole operating yeah. system concept. Yeah. So, um, so the days, the days that you're at ease, I mean, I can, you know, from knowing you, but also just, you know, again, knowing myself and coaching and thinking about it, it there, there's, there's sort of like, there's nothing bothering you. It's not that you have nothing to do. And it's not that there's nothing to address. Cause if you did, you, if that were the case, you'd be retired and working on a garden somewhere. But when you're triggered in a way that you're thinking, you're sending awful emails, you're just kind of agitated. Um, something it's because something isn't going right and you have a fear that it's not going to be resolved. I'm saying like you in a, in a general sense, but you know, you've, you, I, we all, we fear that our team has somehow dropped the ball. A client's going to be, you know, let down an outcome is at risk. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost the client a lot of money, you know, so we're really fear driven. And, you know, we talked about assessment tools and the great value of assessment tools, both in our, understanding ourselves and understanding our colleagues is to have a framework for understanding what it is that are triggers for me, my, you know, myself, and then what it is, what is challenging for my colleagues. I mean, one of the great conversations I had recently with Cynthia, who I've worked with for a little over six years is we're talking about problem solving style. And, you know, Mary, you and I are the same, the big picture, we're miles down the road. And Cynthia said, yeah, sometimes when there are too many ideas, I just get overwhelmed by processing them all. I'm like, okay, so so that's what that feels like. So now I know that and I can use that in working with her and use that with clients. But getting back to this I, idea of, you know, if you let yourself be fear-driven rather than focused on solving the problem, that's when you're triggered. That's when you're sending the emails. Now that the paradox is, that when you're sending, you know, the rapid fire emails, giving instructions, uh, that you're actually probably the result probably is is that others are getting upset. They feel like you're not they're not living up to your standards. They I even have 
one client who said that he gets all these emails, rapid fire emails, so many, this isn't you, but so many, he doesn't even know what he's supposed to do. And when he does, and one time he did what was, what the last email told him and it was the wrong thing. So then he got more emails from, from his leader, his manager. The point being that slow down, really think deliberately and intentionally about what do you have to do to solve this problem? That's how you get yourself in a better space so that you're being a great leader and not being triggered and then not triggering, you know, your, your team members. And so you mentioned that coaches use tools and I've been a fan of those, you know, and my qualification is they provide you some information. They're not an indictment. They're not always right. There are certain things that they can't measure. So you have to use them with an experienced person who understands that and gets to know you. You have one that you've been using in recent years. Can you explain that particular tool? Sure. It's called the Actualized Leader Profile, and there's a free short-form version if you go to alpfree.com slash Arudia, A-R-U-D-I-A. You'll be able to take a short-form version and just check it out. Um, The reason that I absolutely love the Actualized Leader Profile is that it's simple, It gives you a picture of who you are when you're at your best and what happens when you're under stress. And then it gives you a pathway for uh, through these nine attributes of actualized leaders. It gives you a pathway for improving your self-actualization. And so um, so we talk about three leadership. There's three leadership styles there and they're based on motive drivers of affiliation. So, you know, connection power, you know, the ability to drive results and achievement, which is uh, winning through technical expertise. We're all a combination of all three of those. So in some sense, we're not different. We are, we're different in the strength of those motive drivers, but but we all have the same motive drivers. And then the, the shadow side of that is the fear of not having whatever that drive is be attained. So we talked a little bit about worrying about projects not getting done properly or being at risk. So the asserter drive, which is power, the shadow side of that is fear of betrayal, meaning that you fear that you're not going to get the right result. You fear even that you're going to be undermined. I mean, there's a whole lot that, that comes under that category. But the point is, and the reason this assessment is so valuable, is that it gives you a picture of what it looks like when you're being driven by fears so you can take a different path. So I just want to sum that up. In this particular tool, there are three different types, a firmer, asserter, and achiever. And when I was at your home and I was looking at that and you said, Mary, you're an asserter. And I'm like, no, I'm an achiever. But you were right. I'm actually an asserter. But I didn't like whatever. And I think I was looking at the shadow side. So what I recall it, it was actually ultimately really helpful in that it said, here's when you're in your shadow side and here's when you're in your actualized side. I'm going, oh, so, and so I'm just going to ask you that question when somebody is in their self-actual side, what does that look like? What happens? So when somebody is self-actualized and I'll just take the uh, asserter leadership style. Um, so confident, decisive, decisive, competitive, candid, courageous willing to take bold moves, have candid conversations, be directive, which is different than being bossy, but be directive in a positive way. 
when they're in their shadow side, they're again, they're fearing, they're driven by fear. They're worried that that, that the result isn't going to happen. So they start becoming impatient, uh, even belligerent, um, can be condescending. You know, why aren't you getting this done? A little bit arrogant, very blunt. One of my favorite clients said to me, well, if I'm perfectly honest with myself, when I'm in my shadow, I get blunt and even a little bit manipulative. And so then, so that's the kind of shadow, and there's strategies to get from shadow side. And we're going to talk about this. We're at the end of our time for today. But what I'm going to just mention is that we're going to do a follow-up podcast on how leadership um, uh, impacts culture. And as part of that, we'll revisit this concept and then incorporate that in how you can improve your culture. But is there anything you want to add today, Anne? And, and maybe I'll just ask you a question to guide what I, I'm hoping you'll tell us, which is a little bit about we take this assessment, then what? So just me as trying to be a better leader, and then in our next episode, we'll talk about taking that into the culture. Sure. I mean, I mean, take the assessment and take it to heart. Uh, not, not Again, not like it's an indictment, but what's really important is to recognize that anybody can develop leadership as a skill. They can improve their skill. And um, and to recognize that as a leader, you're affecting everybody. So to sort and that and that's that's culture, right? When you are a leader, you are affecting culture, and so to own that. Well, thanks for joining me today, Anne. As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors: Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Yeah. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.